Hello out there in podcast land and welcome back to Spoilers, your bad movie review show on the Rat Pack Podcast Network, where you also have lots of opinions but zero credentials. Each week you watch a movie, usually a bad one, crack a couple jokes, give your insight into the film, play a couple games at the end. I'm your host, Adam. I'm joined by the maestro. Hello, sir. How are you? And we also have Annie here. Hello. This week, Voyagers is being released. Just to give you some information, this movie is about a future of the human race in danger. A group of young men and women bred for enhanced intelligence and to suppress emotional impulses embark on an expedition to colonize a distant planet. And then a bunch of shit goes wrong. This would have been a perfect time to do Event Horizon, but unfortunately, and fortunately, we already did that. I think it was year one even. So check out the uh, archives. Event Horizon's there. It was pretty good. So I chose another space movie instead, and it is from the year 2000. The year 2000. Y2K. It is Mission to Mars. This is directed by Brian De Palma, which has also directed Mission Impossible, which is fantastic. Carlito's Way, pretty good. Scarface, big classic. And also Carrie, the movie with the high school blood things. All right, this movie stars Gary Sinise, Tim Robbins, Don Cheadle, Connie Nielsen, which incidentally was on the last episode, Three, uh, three Days to Kill. I believe it was The Wife. Also in this movie. And Jerry O'Connell. Here's a little synopsis, and then we'll get into our thoughts about the movie. When the first manned mission to Mars meets with a catastrophic and mysterious disaster after reporting an unidentified structure, a rescue mission is launched to investigate the tragedy and bring back any survivors. Let's go around the table here, find out. Have you seen this movie before? Let's start with Annie, so that my show can keep... Uh, his I, was say, I might have to turn off Zoom. <laughs> I was trying, trying real hard not to laugh. As soon as these, uh, as we start doing these videos again, you're going to be out of material there, Maestro. Because I feel like it, <laughs> if people can see you, you won't act out as much. Maybe. I don't know. You don't remember the last time we did this, do you, with video? The stuff I pulled? <sighs> anyway. Uh, Annie, have you seen this movie before? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had not. Okay. Have you heard of this movie? No. Do you know who Gary Sinise is? Ghostbusters? No. Dan. <laughs> he was Dan. the only one I wasn't sure. Oh, that's... Lieutenant oh. Dan. Mm-hmm. He was also in Reindeer Games, which is also in the spoilers archives. You want to check that one out. I'll say in all fairness, I needed you to describe the movie we watched last week. Because okay. you just referenced it. And I was like, I don't remember. That title's doing nothing. Which one was that? Uh, the guy's got a cancer thing. And then he ends up uh, doing missions. Oh, right. With the daughter in yeah. France. Okay. Uh, Maestro, have you seen this movie before? I have, but not knowing that I saw this movie. Uh, basically, the movie itself, I saw it not from the beginning. Uh, so I had no idea what the movie was called. And okay. it was just in passing. Uh, so when I when you popped this uh, onto the, the for us to watch, I looked at it and I'm like, this sounds familiar, but I don't. Okay. And then I realized to myself that I was in for a world of hurt. So I just kept on going, sadly. <laughs> okay. I, I had seen this before. It must have been in the high school days. Uh, so maybe two or three years after this came out, towards the end of high school, that I actually well, saw it. I, I recall liking it, but that's all I recalled. I, I don't remember much about the movie. Hold on a second. What movie? This, what year was this made? 2000. Oh, okay. 
So once he hit Blockbuster, right, I, I, I picked it up off the shelves in a VHS format, probably. I feel dated now. <laughs> it might have been a DVD. I, don't, I think we upgraded at that point. Yes, I had an Xbox. No, I didn't get an Xbox until I went away to college, so this probably was VHS. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I was in sixth grade? <laughs> oh. <laughs> now I really feel dated. Okay, yeah, shit. <laughs> All right, so just seeing this movie, walking out of the theater, what's the first thing on your mind that you need to say about the movie? Before we do that, though, oh. keep this in mind. that If this was in the theaters, that means the quality of the movie has to come pertaining to the year as well, no? Well, that's interesting. Uh, because this movie takes place in 2020, According to the subtitles. So the movie came out in 2000, but it was was in the future, which is a year behind us now. All right. So when I was watching it, I knew it came out in 2000. So the CGI and graphic didn't bother me. What really bothered me, and I I can't let it go. I should submit it to NPR. Um, NPR thing, okay. Okay. when the oxygen is draining, they're on the rescue mission, the oxygen is draining, the guy's outside fixing it. Yep. As the atmosphere gets lower, this computer that doesn't need any oxygen starts cutting in it out. Like it's a human that's dying because the oxygen and atmosphere is getting lower, but it's a fucking computer. So why, why are you? And then as the atmosphere starts increasing again it's slowly getting better and better and then it's back to clear because the atmosphere is coming back and i i can't i can't get past it and it's I'm, been bothering me i'm curious i never did any research into this but in a vacuum can sound travel no it cannot there we go that's the explanation but it's cutting in and out like the computer is failing it's not like because the sound itself would then just not at all travel. Otherwise, you would be – if it was, this sound is coming out. You're going to hear it I, I, slower. I have an answer for you. Uh, you do. D- during this same scene, Jerry O'Connell, the, uh, the, the young guy that's with the M&Ms, he says, I'm going to reboot the system. We do a hard reboot because computer is now malfunctioning. Yeah. So that's why it sounds like the computer's coming in or not, because the computer is now malfunctioning. They, there, there's been damage to oh. the hardware. So he's going to do a hard reboot to reboot the hardware so that the computer <laughs> is now operating at full capacity. Okay, but then wait, he wait, wait, does wait. that, and he's like, it worked. And now the atmosphere's starting to come back, but it's still... So once it's rebooted, that fixed the problem, right? It's not like it's slowly fixing all of the problems after it's rebooted that fixed it so why is it still choppy and as the atmosphere increases mm. the computer's coherency increases and also it sounds super depressed all the time it's a really bad voice that it you sounds use. like it sounds like <laughs> marvin from uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy okay. right the only difference is <laughs> yeah but the depressed robot the... no the depressed yeah. robot that's marvin. the voice of alan rickman oh then yes <laughs> yeah alan but the thing about it is is his voice is sounds depressed, just like you said. Yeah. But I just look at him and like, who would even choose this as a voice? It that just like make you feel depressed all the time. Unless it's a giant depressed robot, you 
don't. Yes, right. <laughs> Everybody knows when you have the voice of a computer, it has to be a female. Possibly or a British, British male. <laughs> yes. A British female that is in maybe late 20s, early 30s. That's the voice of all computers. British male, too. Fine. Yeah. I mean, because like, this yeah, is a like, really... Like Jarvis. Really, Jarvis. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Jarvis. Yeah. yeah, see, that's fine. Because it's a really powerful computer, so you can't just have some female voice on there. Come on. <laughs> I don't know believe about that. that. <laughs> I, think the, I think the voice they used in Pacific Rim was very nice, especially considering they were from giant robots. I don't yeah, remember that. It was perfect, I thought. What voice was that? Was it a female a portal or Portal voice. It was Portal? Portal voice, yeah. Ah, okay. The computer, the... Uh, this is, okay. Is that the video game one? Yeah. Okay, I've seen yeah. you guys play that. I uh, think I recall the... I like that voice. It's yeah. a cheery, but not like overly cheery voice, right? Where it's... It, it, it can go back and forth very quickly. Oh. <laughs> From cheery to I'm going to destroy you. Adam, yeah. I think you you guys are gonna have to uh, play the game again, so I kind of have a point of reference. I don't, I don't mean know. to burden you like this. Oh no, I, I would hate playing that awesome game again. Pacific Rim? I don't think they made a game. The Portal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Eddie's problem is with the computer scene. Uh, that's the, the first the thing I would say. Losing out. its life. That's the you said first thing yeah, when you're walking okay. out. That's the first thing because that's what I can't let go. Like that's the first thing I'm gonna say, and then. You're going to try and correct me and tell, try and explain it to me. And th- this is literally what would have happened if we'd seen this in a yes, theater. Yes, it would have. Uh, Meshro, what about you? First thoughts. I, fu- I honestly, to tell you the truth, the way these people acted in the film to immense and possible danger on every aspect was so off-putting. Okay. Like, for instance, the first part with the giant tornado looking directly at them. <laughs> yep. And then it's going like, huh. <laughs> Hey, look at that. Yes. <laughs> this is, are you recording this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. Huh. <laughs> I tried to yeah, get and then, Yeah, and then finally when it starts to suck them up, they're like, oh, maybe we should? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shreds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, that's also a very valid thing. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, what's your first thought walking out of the theater? I had a big issue with the way gravity worked. In the general, thing that had to go around. Uh, that's part of it. Gravity inside the ship, gravity outside the ship. Just gravity was not a real concept in this movie that was in outer space, which gravity plays a very big part in. Yeah, uh, for instance, uh, towards the beginning, in the ship, they have this graviton circle thing. Fine, so that causes some sort of gravity, but as as it's a centrifugal walk- force. Kind of uh, yeah, but as they're walking, the gravity – if you're on the floor, you're being pulled towards the floor. What if you start climbing that ladder? Doesn't the gravity then start shifting you in weird different ways? It's still ways? centrifugal force. So centrifugal – it's when you take a bucket of water and you spin it around, it's always pushed towards the outside. So it's like gravity pushing you down towards the ground. So it's just like gravity here. If you're climbing a ladder, gravity's still pushing you down to the earth. Okay. So you're still climbing a ladder with the centrifugal force pushing you down as if gravity. But I don't feel like it was going fast enough to cause gravity. Yes. You'd have to be that, going that a lot was, faster. That was the other thing. It, it would need to go much faster. Uh, and, th- and I also did see at certain points that noticeably, to me anyway, especially Jerry O'Connell, when he's walking around and is starting to catch up with somebody else, he's kind of leaning a little bit. So it must have been one of those uh, in-sync... Uh, music video things where the whole box is, uh, is rotating and the camera stays still so it looks like they're f- flying across the room. I think it was Bye Bye Bye. Which guy? 
Bye bye bye. No, no, oh, the oh, person, the, the Eminem guy. Oh, okay. As he's walking, at one point, and it's perfect because he's he's standing next to a wall where you see the wall goes up and down right next to him, and he's kind of leaned back because he's at an angle based on how they have to film it. So it was kind of weird, like, okay, where's the gravity happening here? <laughs> <laughs> and then also in the in the ship, if they're not inside that gravity area, the rest of the place has no gravity, right? So you're floating. I guess maybe. Well, yeah, because he had the M and M things. Floating in midair, if there's gravity, you can't do that. But he was still sitting in a chair that was on the ground. In that space, would you be able to have a lit candle on a cake for a birthday song? Very, very, very good point. Yes. So that was another thing. Okay. And then when they're on Mars, uh, the, the, when the dust storm is happening and they're, uh, everything seems to be getting sucked towards the giant a live tornado thing uh you see one of them running away from it and he's running but like he's taking giant leaps because of the, oh, lack the of gravity yeah but there's a suction wait but can i time out real quick yeah so the rest of us only got to have one thought leaving the theater i'm still on gravity it's all about gravity <laughs> this is one thought it's just it's a thorough line throughout the entire movie <laughs> This is one complaint that is far stretching but throughout the entire movie. You are literally covering the entire movie. <laughs> what Only are we the gonna, gravity parts. What are, are we, we going to talk about when you're done? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so sorry. So the guy's running away from the, the, the yeah. sandworm. Now, we'll thing. talk about why and all that later, but I'm just I'm focusing on the gravity here. <laughs> As he's running, he's doing these leaps where he's jumping, and you see the gravity where he's taking extra long strides. But if it was in the same area where everything's getting sucked towards it, if he jumps up, he then gets sucked towards it. He can't move forward while that suction is happening. I thought about that too, but it didn't bother me as much as the stupid it's voice. Interesting. It's interesting how the small things really matter. Yeah, most of my notes are about the gravity. <laughs> yeah, see, see what I'm saying? I mean, you're, you care about the gravity through the whole movie, and you don't even say anything about the fact that the plot line's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, okay. Because my in main all, complaint yeah. is gravity. We'll, we'll get into all yeah. that. But I'll say, in all fairness, <laughs> the concept of the movie was great. Everything outside of that was painful. I mean, it wasn't as painful as some other movies I've had to watch for this show <laughs> with Adam. Long before he even ever had me on the podcast, by the way, I still had to watch all of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> for the last five years, I've been watching these movies. Have you also noticed but in this film that everyone's surprisingly comfortable with killing themselves? Yeah, okay. Thank you. He didn't even seem mildly panicked about taking his helmet off. And I know. this is what I, I was actually complaining to your daughter about this because I was like, Okay. So, do you want to watch the rest of this movie with me? We just watched a, a woman see her husband die by taking his helmet off in space and his face immediately freezing over and her facial expression didn't change, but she made a lot of very upset sounds and nothing happened to her face. She was just kind of like, ah. like her eyebrows went up, but she didn't look sad. I was upset with Don Cheadle. That's his name, right? Yeah. I feel like he's such a great actor. And in this movie, it was like, I don't feel anything. Every time you're doing anything, I don't feel anything. And he's, you know, good actors make you feel. And I'm just like, I haven't felt anything this whole movie. Like, I don't even feel sad right now because no one's doing a good job. And I didn't believe the love scene either. Like, the only part I believed was Don Cheadle and his son. And okay. then when they were dancing in space. 
But then at that point, I was also like, damn it, now one of them's dying. <laughs> I thought that the, the scene where Tim Robbins died, that, that, that hit me hard. I, I, I was... I, I, I don't think it was many tears, maybe one, but it was a lot of eye moisture. So you're telling me that after seeing him stare at them right before he takes his helmet off, smiling, yeah, and then going like, ooh, and then takes it off, and then all of a sudden, and then he's a purple. He turns into Grimace, dude. <laughs> I feel like those, that was a really well-written scene. But none of the lines were delivered in a way where I believed it. And honestly, the way he was acting maybe could have been more believable if I believed her. But her face did nothing for me. I was just like, I don't, I don't see any genuine, deep-felt sorrow, distress. panic, distress. I don't feel or see any of that. I see someone who's in their first acting class trying to look sad, act sad. It's, you know, you got your natural ability to act, you know, and we'll build on this and make you a great <laughs> actor someday that the raw talent's there. But what you're doing right now isn't going to actually f- get through. And this is a. See, okay. I, I understand what you're saying, but my uh, interpretation of it was, was different. Uh, these are astronauts that are going into space. Uh, they have Hopefully been. Tom- what's that? So they have no feelings whatsoever? No, no, no. Well, I'm getting there. Hold on. <laughs> Their feelings are in a vacuum. They can't uh. access them. <laughs> so what I was saying, <laughs> that they're very highly trained uh, for high-stress situations. These people need to be able to keep their cool in stressful situations. Otherwise, everybody dies. So the level of training that they've had, they go into this knowing, I may die, and I need to be okay with that. So in this case, I think they were probably sure to what a character would be in the situation because uh, it's I've made peace with everything. But see, that's the thing. The like I said, the uh, Ghostbusters guy. I believed his character, and I feel like he was in Ghostbusters, wasn't he? Ghostbusters guy, who, wasn't he? Who are you thinking? The husband. He just looked like really like the younger. Tim, no, Tim Robbins. No, no, no. He's oh, not in Ghostbusters. I definitely thought he was. He was, in, he was in Shawshank. No. Yes, yeah, William Dufresne. No. Or is it Andy Andy Dufresne? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Ghostbusters! <laughs> I thought he was in what Ghostbusters. The... I was that like, was he old. looks so young. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, wait, who in Ghostbusters did you think this was? <laughs> the white guy that doesn't have the huge nose. Which Ghostbusters? I'm not. I've only seen Ghostbusters once, in all fairness. Okay, so is it the old one or the new one? Okay, so is, it's wait. A, can we come back to this because I have a really good point? It's not Groundhog's Day guy. No, but that's, it's not Bill Murray. That's Bill Murray. Wait, can I can I finish? Okay. I have a really good okay. counterpoint to what you just said. All right. So blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Yes. I would have I would have believed him, his character. Like I actually felt like he was doing a good job, and I would have believed his character had the counterpart been more believable. They're trained. To go in knowing you might die, right? So then why does she risk everyone else's lives, throw everything away, screw it, I'm going after him, I'm not letting you die, I'm just going to go ahead and die with you and possibly screw them over and the person we're coming here to save 
because I can't let go because I'm not emotionally prepared for this exact thing that you just said they're perfectly trained for and that's why they're not emotional. So she's clearly, all of her training is out the window because she's so emotional, yet you can't see any emotion. That's why this scene was powerful to me because what I saw was her fighting with every ounce of her being to not be emotional and and it was very like back and forth across the line. You're giving bad acting way too much credit. I, I think it was fine acting. I think she got a lot better as an actress as she got older. Okay. You said she was in the last movie, right? She was the wife? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She got a lot better as she got older. No, I, that, that, that was definitely the most powerful scene to me in the entire movie. Maestro, you're the tiebreaker. Who's right? Everyone acting horrible. You didn't like the acting either? No. Oh. I, come on, man. I mean... I, I was the one that brought up the whole fact that Andy Dufresne smiled as he took his helmet off, saying, hey, "This is gonna be fun." And then look at him; he's like, "I wonder what they're gonna, what they're, what they're gonna." I'm looking at them right before I die to see what the kind of expression they get. Like, mm, I don't think so. And see, then, and then, huh? No, go, go ahead, Mister. Yeah. And then, I mean, okay. First off, he's like, "No, can't do this. We gotta do this this way. I gotta. I'm gonna go." And then he looks at them. You can see the the moon shaped eyes come out from them smiling. And then his lips purse like he's about to go, ooh. And then he takes <laughs> off the helmet. He takes off the helmet. Ooh, this is going to be great. And then he takes it off and then, pssst. Wow. It's like endless euphoria, if it seems like to him. And as, he, and as that happens and he, he freezes and then supposedly an instant, you look at the rest of them. They're still holding on to each other like this. It's like. But, but see, not, not moving. Just, they're, they're still stuck. They're like, hmm. I didn't expect this. Uh, hmm. Let's keep on going. I mean, just, I don't know. Man. But if we go with Adam's premise of like they're trained for this, he knew he could go in dying. His reactions make sense to me because he loves his wife so much and he knows they're either both going to die or he's going to die. So all that training, he's ready, he's prepared, and he's that smile is looking at his wife wife one last time before he dies so he's smiling so i've that i think he was a great actor he's the only one i believed in the whole movie other than don Cheadle and his son outside of that i didn't really believe him but that like had he had a good actor counterparting him that would have been powerful and emotional and i feel like he he was bringing his A game, and everyone else was like, "Dude, I forgot we had a test today." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I like that scene a lot. Okay, okay. Let's just move away from that part because obviously we're gonna never gonna answer the get the correct answer here. Okay, so uh, we got the correct answer. They both did great. Uh, so let's move uh, on. <laughs> so we get down to the planet, and they find um, the, the 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 cemetery. And the of the bodies, the supposed bodies, right? And then the layout of the the original people that like had landed, right? They go inside the building and they find that there is a greenhouse inside on Mars that ha- does not have an atmosphere, and but for some reason has wind. Yes, wind is uh, another weird thing, which I th- I feel like ties into gravity still. So it's still my original complaint. <laughs> <laughs> What bothered me with the whole greenhouse scene was Don Cheadle's like, you're not real. You're not real. 
So he tells him facts about himself where if he's imagining this person being there, <laughs> you already know all of these facts about yourself. So therefore, this imaginary person that you're envisioning being here would already know these things, too. And somehow you're like, oh, my God, you are real. Like, it, right. it, that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, all right, Way you can show down. him being crazed, but not like murderous crazed. Show him like freaked out, panic, like, are you actually here? I don't know, but... You can't prove it by him knowing facts about you. You know what facts you've told him. Therefore, you can envision him telling you those facts. Yeah, exactly. I think the only way you could probably uh, have a person that's not really there to tell them and prove to them that they're really there is by saying something so risque or so ridiculous. You would never say it, but you know they might. (laughs) I was just thinking that same thing. I would have liked that. If, 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 any one of us was in a place in solitude for a long time, and I was trying to make what? you believe that I am real. I would do some sort of crazy dance. <laughs> it would make your brain like, "What?" I would never even imagine that happening. Like you I would start doing do some sort of dance. destiny kind of uh, <laughs> emotes. That's kind of just. I what picture, kind of person would do that? I'm picturing you doing more of like a tap dancing routine with these emotes, and then. Gotcha. Kind of an end to it. <laughs> I might yeah, just do the bye 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 dance. Did it get you? The choreography. You did that, no, because that at Jester's wedding. I know. <laughs> I'll say no. Anyone sure. could definitely imagine you doing that, though. It's not out of character enough. It's not weird enough. Mm, mm. Okay. Uh, how much time we got? Oh, we got plenty of time. What, what is the most ridiculous thing that you would envision uh, me doing that would be like, what in the. You shaving your beard and saying you liked it. Uh, so if I, uh, but we know he would never go that far. I'm not gonna. No, he I, I, he I, loves I, his friends, but not enough to shave his beard. You, know, you could just kill me then at that point. See, there we go. <laughs> there, that's what I'm saying. See, my first that's the craziest thing. My first thought was that Russian dance where like they're squatting and they kick their legs out. But then I'm like, nope. Now I'm definitely imagining it because there's no way Adam would keep his balance doing that. No, I'd that. definitely fall over. Yeah, on the first. But if you tried to do it and fell over, then I would know, oh, shit, he's actually here. Because if I'm imagining yeah. you doing it and you don't fall over, I'm like, crap, I'm hallucinating again. But now that you've said that, you're ready for that vision. Well, you so told me I... to come up with one. <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to do what you asked. I, I can't imagine any scenario in which Maestro would do something and I would be like, that doesn't make sense for maestro it would what all if be he just crazy. sat there quietly with a book and said nothing and made no facial expressions and just read i would definitely think i went crazy <laughs> Nailed it. <I'm> like, <laughs> no emotions no filters <laughs> no facial expressions nothing just like like the most you get is huh, and turn the page yeah that would freak me out also, I'm picturing me trying to do that. I can't do that. No, oh, see, yeah. see what you've done. It's like me typing an email <laughs> and not making facial expressions. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure is now reading uh, what appears to be manga, possibly. Weirdos from another planet. Oh, oh, Calvin and Hobbes. Look at you, man. <laughs> see, I know those celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of those were in Ghostbusters, though? Oh, just Calvin. <laughs> okay. Oh, this isn't real. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, do you know how ridiculous you sound right now? All right, uh 
I'd like to, if we can, for a second, go back to the, the greatest scene in the entire movie when Tim Robbins dies. Oh. Because <laughs> I do have a note here. I feel like if all of them worked together in a way, they could have gotten him. They could have, definitely. One person doesn't have the fuel to go and get him. But if they all go like a quarter of the way and bring each other back, I feel like it, it, it'd be a way to happen. Or if she hadn't taken that 45-second beat to think about it and then go, oh, yes, I can, and then shoot the gun, it would have reached him. It only missed him by about a foot. So how about you just think of that immediately? Like, you clearly already had this idea. You could have just shot that at him, and you would have had him, and then reeled him in and had enough fuel to get back. Or or even more so, uh, to... Make it, uh, of course, in in the second, it's going to be hard to think about. But using the same exact premise, have the other guys come close enough so they're in range of that gun, and you just gun get that guy, gun get that guy, gun get that guy. And the fuel you're saving from the the line, he could have been fine. Yeah, or how about the fact that you don't need to use a whole ton, a whole lot of fuel to get back, right? I mean, Mm. it's you only have to use a certain blast and then you're going to float back towards the thing that's floating towards you. So why do you need all that much fuel? You could even just push the person in front of you and then grab their foot and you're going to go with them. Like, Uh, I don't know about that one. There's got to be some way. Or you know what? How about instead of you using your fuel to get over there, I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to push you. You're going to get halfway there and then use your fuel for that last blast to get yes. to him. And then you can use your other blast to come back this direction. And then when you're close enough, you shoot the thing at us and we grab it and we reel you in. Like, there were so many other options. They didn't need to use all of this fuel for that. The point is they you could know, have saved Tim Robbins, I think. Yeah. Or you know what they could have done to save the problem from the very get-go is just loop it around him once before he takes off? So he was saying that if they mm. – they wanted to use the lasso thing, right? Or their their link to that was holding them together to get the thing. But they have this gun that can now shoot something out. So why not just shoot that out and have all of them grab it and wrap it around their wrist and hold on? And then use their tether to lasso the thing. They could have gotten it in that time. Yeah, I mean, there's a million other options other than... All, oh, you're die. all three of them didn't have to wait for him. They could have all boosted yeah. a little bit and at least got closer while he was getting closer. There's, there's a lot of ways that they could have conserved the fuel, uh, which should have been in the training. Uh, but I don't know. That 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 really bothered me. That, or, that, that Tim Robbins could have lived. Yeah, or yeah. the person in the back pushes and the pushes, and so when the fuel thing goes off, like the person behind you pushed you, and the fuel in the front goes. So it's not just this fuel that's now tugging everyone. But then you need more fuel to. Pr- no, I, what, if I can draw it, it makes sense. I promise. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle, you were gonna say? Huh? Oh no, I'm good. I think you guys <laughs> pretty much given everything I need to say. <laughs> All right. Let's see another note that I had here. I didn't have a lot of notes because there wasn't that much of a huge storyline. So I'm gonna jump back for a second. Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, was supposed to be on the first Mars mission, but didn't. Uh, he, he wasn't able to do it because his wife died and he was kind of uh, a hot mess about it. Well, actually, he did, she didn't die at first. She was getting sick. R- so right. At that point, he he went and put, gave up the mission for her. Right. So his wife's death 
basically is what caused him, or uh, her oncoming death, caused him to not be part of the mission. Now, there's a rescue mission where now I get to go to Mars anyway. Cool. My best friend is now parading around, being romantic with his wife in front of me on, <laughs> on this Mars station. I feel like that was kind of, I mean, I, I know they didn't mean anything by it, but they had to have known that's going to cause some feelings. I'm here with my wife. We're dancing on the Mars uh, spaceship in front of you, who would have been here the first time with your wife if she was alive, but she's not. So we're going to enjoy our love life. That seemed a little insensitive to me. I don't think so, because um, they were dancing alone originally, and then Lieutenant Dan came in, and he's the one who chose to stay and watch. Like, if this bothers you, like, I am doing something romantic for my wife. I, she wants to dance. I never dance. And it's an important scene for us because that's how we know someone's going to die. <laughs> so, you know, it's important that they have that dance so that whichever one of them lives, he's like, oh, I'm glad I danced with her. Or she's like, I got my dance. We didn't know which one from that, but one of them was going to die. So you're he, saying – He came in. He saw that happening and he decided to stay and watch. Like, oh, that's so sweet. Whereas he could have just – Kept going, like, I can't handle this. I'm going to go. Like, are they supposed to never be in love on this spacecraft at all? Or by your logic, Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, is standing there watching them like, oh, that's cute. But it's not going to last. When are you going to die? <laughs> so I'm okay with this. <laughs> that's so rude, Annie. <laughs> hey, I didn't write it. Uh, so anyway, now they get to Mars. And they find out that this, there's a giant face on Mars, uh, which caused a tornado that killed uh, three of the crew members and left Don Cheadle uh, buried alive. With a f- crack in his face mask. But he still made it back to the base camp. Also kind of sus. It's a little sus. Super sus. Super sus. <laughs> which I, I learned that from my daughter playing uh, Among Us. That's how you... <laughs> <laughs> that guy's being sus. Which is sort of for suspicious, obviously. Which everyone said I was being, but I really just couldn't figure out the control very well. Yeah. Anyway. So now they figure out this whole chromosome riddle that the, the face is giving them uh, because of M&M's. Uh, fine. Whatever. Uh, it, was, it was a big leap, but let's move on. They broadcast their DNA. <laughs> so there's a... Tonal markings that aligned. If you put them together, they don't you a lot of year to figure out these tonals, sounds, and everything. There's the pattern, and it comes super close to looking like human DNA. Right. So they just have to figure out what that last tone is to make it human DNA. Yeah. I'm not totally sure how you do that, but I also don't know very much about it's, DNA other than. Yeah. We have it. Well, it's we'll be all be Matthew Wathy. <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, they get invited into the face. They go inside the face and they now learn that Martians basically created humans. No, they created all life on Earth. Like from oh, the very, true. very first thing. Yep. We just I don't get how that happens if you they took their own DNA. And put it in the ship that goes in. Wouldn't what comes out of that be human? How did it turn into these 
things that turn into reptiles that turn into dinosaurs. Dinosaurs go extinct, and and it, it just I don't know. Mm-hmm. So a big bang on Mars, asteroid colliding with Mars, uh, created evolution on Earth. Basically, is what this movie is kind of putting out there. So it's it's a very loose translation on the Big Bang theory with Martians. But then, where did the Martians come from? Not for this movie. We were like. here this whole time. <laughs> so so. Thank you, Marvin. Uh, when. <laughs> I didn't hear the voice until you said Marvin. Marvin the Martian. That was fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to destroy the world. We have two Marvins. We've got Marvin the Martian and Marvin the Depressed Robot. <laughs> See if we can find another Marvin reference in this. All right, guys. All right. Uh, if anyone can do it, it's Marvin Gaye song? Oh. You have to fit the lyrics somehow into a point that you're going to make, though. Hello. Nope, that's Lionel Richie. Uh, Oh, <laughs> Marvin Gaye is um oh no. It was in bah, 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 Pulp Fiction. I'm so in love with you. Whatever you want to do. <clears throat> Why am I singing on a podcast? This is embarrassing. No, I feel like I was so close to recognizing it. Keep going. Healing. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I left my body for a second. Uh, so Martians flee Mars because of uh, a giant it's solar flare, maybe. Yeah, catastrophic meteor thing. One person stays behind, uh, impregnates Martian. the Earth. One Martian stays behind, <laughs> impregnates the Earth to cause evolution. And it's called ba- sexual healing. And ba- <laughs> sexual healing, yes. <laughs> Wait, was that a Marvin Gaye song? Yeah. Yes! High fives. Let's stay together is the song I was thinking. I think it's a good idea. I mean, I like you. Okay. <laughs> so the Martian is basically waiting for a human to go to Mars to then leave. What? Basically, because they created all life on Earth, they were giving the people of Earth or whoever a chance to see the like where – they're originated from. It's basically a sense of seeing the full loop of life, I'm guessing. Or like orphaned kids. They wanted to be their birth parents. We have no idea where we came from. And they're like, they're going to want to know. One of yeah, us will so, stay behind. Yeah. So basically, Earth became an orphanage. <laughs> okay. And the, the margin that the left over was part of the government saying, you know what? They're, they're old enough now. Let's go see if they can meet their parents now. If you're smart enough, you can come meet the rest of us. Just to let you know, I have no idea how the orphanages work, so everything I say probably makes no sense. I, I don't question what you say anymore. I just take it as a maestro effect and just move on. <laughs> what, what do you mean maestro effect? Does that mean something specific? Like maybe that it doesn't exist unless I say it so? It means that I can never tell whether you are quoting a fact or making something up. Well, it's the internet, man. I mean, like <laughs> half the time you can't tell what's real anyway. Exactly. You you are the internet for me. Yeah. I, I what you're saying is like, oh, interesting. I should kind of research to find See, out I if that's true or not. I wish I could do it as well as you. Uh, when I get Adam and I say something like with a straight face, it's like, I can never get him with fake facts, but I can get mm-hmm. him with. 
fake confusion, <laughs> but you can get in with fake facts, and that is my like life goal. If I can get Adam with a fake fact, <laughs> I could die happy. Nothing oh. else. Nothing else happens to me. Matter that that would be we'll the peak of my life. Wow, you we'll need better later. goals. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I've achieved everything else. Adam. <laughs> That's what we're gonna go with. So uh, this Martian has been alive and on Mars for thousands of years, basically. No, no, Martian not alive. I was like, I don't think the Martian was alive. It looked like it was part of the hologram thing. And oh, I'm was, sure Martians have technology where, like, they can make the hologram tangible enough to hold hands. But but we saw that one ship stayed behind. Yeah, that was for the dude to get on, for Captain whatever, the guy to get on to go. So any humans that made it there that wanted to go to meet the rest of the Martians that had created them, this is your chance. You can get on this ship and go. And so that's what that ship is for. I also noticed that on this uh, Martian craft, they only allowed one person to go. No, they had multiple circles, so multiple people could have stood on it. Those were the countdown. Uh, The the other circles were the countdown. When it came down to it, there was only one that was lit up the entire time that was supposed to take somebody up. That, that's the way I took it anyway. Oh, I took it as as many people could go if they wanted. Mm. Uh, only one person wanted to, so maybe it you know, fits to the person. Because uh, Martians clearly had a lot of tech. Yeah, yeah apparently. So uh, basically, uh, they, they get inside the, the spaceship. They, they go inside the face after being invited because of the frequency of the human DNA. And they find out that we came from Mars. And all right, now that you found that out, you guys can leave. Or you can stay. And they, they leave. And this, this kind of bothered me. The, uh, when uh, Andy Dufresne's wife is saying goodbye to Lieutenant Dan. There's this whole, we want you to have this. Pulls something out, puts it in his hand. How did she get it? No, she, she got it from uh, Andy Dufresne. There was a scene where they, they, he gave it to her. Oh, he, I missed You saw scene. her taking it off of him inside the spaceship oh, okay. for some reason. But what bothered me was the fact that they made it like a big reveal. Like, we're not going to know what that was. I was like, obviously, it's a spaceship necklace. But they made it seem like a, oh, it was the spaceship necklace the entire time. What? Or no, the flash. Maybe it's no, it's the Andy very. Dufresne. Sorry, go ahead. Hmm? Or the... maybe it's because it's by giving him the necklace, it's meaning that Andy Dufresne is uh, saying goodbye or Godspeed. No, at the very beginning of the movie. Don Cheadle, Andy Dufresne, and Lieutenant Dan are all sitting outside, and Lieutenant Dan is making fun of the necklace that he's yes. been wearing since they were kids. We all know what the necklace is. It's Ex- not. That's my point. We all know that she gave him the necklace, but the, the way the camera angles are is kind of like a, <gasps> it's the necklace. It was like, what? what? We, I, I know it was a necklace. Why are you making such a big deal out of it? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. I did not get that vibe at any point ever. For me, the whole time, I was like, oh, that's sweet, the necklace. But we'd never seen the necklace, like, close up, so maybe they were just letting us see what the necklace, like, actually looked like that they kept referring to. It's not like a, this is a reveal of it. It's like, we never got to see it up close. Now you get to see it, see it kind of thing. 
That's what I got from it. Go ahead. My take on it was that uh, Andy Dufresne, because he always wore that necklace, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's the only one that died of the three, right? Right. So basically, because he passed away, that that one piece of him that's been with him his whole life is now going with him on that, that journey, meaning that he's not going alone. Oh, I like that. No, I, I, I agree. I'm just saying that the way they revealed it was the necklace was kind of like a, yeah, no shit, it's the necklace. Well, I took it actually kind of an opposite way rather than like a part of him is going with you to see okay. this new place. I took it more as a, a reminder of where you came from so you can still remember home. I'm not explaining this well. No, we understand your issue with it. We're just debating a completely separate thing. Okay, but I need to get this out. Otherwise, okay. um, I'll take my helmet off right here, I swear to God. You make the face? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to me like they were – they thought they were revealing the fact that Bruce Willis was dead the entire time in Sixth Sense. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a, what? It's the necklace? But it was just like a, yeah, no shit. We – I understand. That's that's what this whole thing has been leading to. But the way it was shot was kind of like a oh twists. It's like what what is happening? I was very confused. I'm sorry. No, I was laughing because my first thought was wait, which Bruce Willis was in this? I didn't see. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it was from the second Ghostbusters. Yeah, but then you immediately <laughs> said Sixth Sense. But I had already gone through like okay. half the movie trying to find it by the time you finished. Sorry. That's fine. But what you said was also very funny. Thank you. That's- <laughs> How did you get Bruce Willis in this film again? Yeah. All right. So the end of the movie. Uh, a question for you guys. Oh, wait. Oh. Before we finish, finish, I have one other thing that really bothered me. Oh, please. Five minutes after the time that it's supposed to be the latest time they possibly leave, possibly leave, they just make it out. Like, no problem. I was hoping we'd see something where, like, the spaceship somehow clears the path then we see them like it you know somehow helps them out because you know lieutenant dan decided to get on the ship that saves the other three because supposedly dude we're way past our limit we needed to have left five minutes ago and (laughs) everything's insane and we're never gonna make it out and then we just see them like floating in space and then have a good trip bro like no how did you get out like, I feel like they could have – that was a missed opportunity to give us yes. an explanation of somehow his trip helped them get out and survive because otherwise how the hell did they get out? It could have been more fantastical at the end. I, I agree. Or give me any explanation whatsoever how they made it out of that gnarly storm that supposedly they couldn't leave a minute past when they needed to and five minutes later they're boarding to leave. Okay. I agree. There could be right. more there. You know what? I feel like you're placating me, and wow. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So the very end of the movie, uh, Gary Sinise, uh, Lieutenant Dan, he gets on the ship, and he goes to wherever the Martians went to. At the same time, we have Don Cheadle and uh, t- uh, Dufresne's wife leaving the ship. What is happening to Lieutenant Dan? He's in this tube. It starts filling with water. It seems like he's suffocating. He goes full abyss, dude. What does that mean? Okay, in the movie The Abyss, in, because they're in such low uh, pressure, 
uh, no, high high pressure. I'm sorry, not low. High pressure because they're so deep underwater. So the suits they wear when underneath they have to be uh, basically canceled out from the amount of uh, air inside their bodies. So they create a liquid that can be processed through the lungs to create oxygen in their lungs. So basically, you're the liquid in the suit allows him to breathe through that form of water. And that way, when they're in that high-pressure environment, they don't, their, their lungs don't collapse. So in that sense, that's why he's in that tube in this film, which is, I'm thinking, why they did the same thing. So similar to Galaxy Quest, when they're being transmitted, uh, they, they're covered in goo before they get sent through long distances and then come back and it's like, ugh. I'm, I'm guessing so. The science of what Maestro said made perfect sense to me, but... I didn't even think of that, like, at all. But it makes sense once you explain it. For me, it was more about, like, that's not water. They've clearly created some sort of liquid that can be breathed and gives oxygen to the human somehow. But that makes sense, like, to keep the pressure proper in order for that gnarly trip because that ship went way faster than any of the ships we have, clearly. Okay. It took, like, what, three years to get to Mars? That thing was, like, halfway to that other galaxy. Six months, but, yeah, understood. The, the way that it came across to me was it was confusing because it shows him kind of holding his breath, eventually gasping for air, letting it out, and then what seemed to be like a look of euphoria. But at the same time, his life is flashing before his eyes. He's going back through all his memories, which is what happens when you're about to die. So it, it could have easily been, oh, the look on his face could have been, hey, turns out I can breathe here. Or I'm dying and I'm okay with it. Or <laughs> you're leaving everything that you've ever known for a complete unknown. So you're going through your memories. You know, your memories flash before your eyes right before death or right before a hugely transforming moment like a near-death experience. He thought he was going to die if he breathed it in, which is why he's holding his breath. Then he did breathe it in. Hugely transforming moment, possible near-death experience, but also you are kind of dying. You're never going to see anyone you've ever known ever again. You are, in a sense, dying. So you memories come through, flood through you, the nostalgia and everything, and then you're gone. So he did kind of die, if you think about it. Okay. It's just, it's, it was just a weird way for me to... I've got it. They wanted to highlight all of the parts of the movie that were really good, and none of them were more than two (laughs) seconds long, so they were just putting them all into one montage. Okay. (laughs) That works. All right. Very good. All right, so that's basically the end of the movie. Any other things you guys want to cover before we move on? Anything else? How much do you think M&M's paid to be in the movie, and then how disappointed do you think M&M's was in that investment? (laughs) Uh, They paid $3. Oh, M&M's the candy or M&M's the guy? The candy, because they were featured oh, twice yeah, yeah, yeah. in the movie. Mm. The, 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 the product placement. There was mm. a, a weird moment where uh, Lieutenant Dan was figuring out the whole DNA, ribosome, whatever sequence. Yeah. And he went back to the M&M's. But in that, fr- in that shot, for some reason, all the M&M's were sideways and they were threes. And I was like, threes? Why? What are threes going to... 
How, how are threes? Because threes was the thing that Don Cheadle was saying that everything comes in threes, the the, mm-hmm. the sound waves. So I was very confused and like, what's with the threes? And then it, it oh, it's a sideways M, you idiot. Wait, <laughs> do you know why the blonde got fired from the M M&M and M factory? For throwing away all the W's. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my faves as a kid. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So that was our opinion of the movie. Like I said at the top of the show, we have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. Now we're going to hear from people who actually have credentials, the critics. Also, we're here from the audience. I'm going to give you two reviews from the top critics and the audience. And this should hopefully help you in the Rotten Tomatoes game we're going to play later on. Let's start with the bad reviews from the top critics. This is from Rick Groen from the Globe and Mail. From 2002. Despite a few breathtaking snapshots in route, it can't quite figure out the aesthetic itinerary, where it's headed, and why. Roger Ebert from Chicago Sun-Times from the year 2000. It's as if the director, the gifted Brian De Palma, rises to the occasions but the screenplay gives him nothing much to do in between them. Good reviews. Eric Henderson from Slant Magazine from 2006. Mission to Mars Redemptive Coda opened the door for the subsequent film's continuing figurative and literal sanguinity. Do we have a thesaurus? I don't even know what that means. Steve Rosen... From the Denver Post. What's that? Sanguinuity? Sanguinuity. Isn't sanguine like partially to blood? Sure. I'm going to Google it. (laughs) Stephen Rosen from the Denver Post from the year 2000. This movie's special effects, set design, action sequence, staging, and swirling cinematography offset the weak story. That was a positive review? Yeah. He's saying all the things were happening beside the story made up for. Can we hear the review that had sanguinity again? Because I have the definition now. Mission to Mars' redemptive coda opened the door for the subsequent film's continuing figurative and literal sanguinity. Sanguinity is cheerfully optimistic, hopeful, or confident. All right. I didn't get that vibe. Used primarily to show when a person is cheerful, the blood rushes to the face, showing a reddening of love and joy. That's how it's connected. At the end, it says, in old physiology, which would make sense. I show since you studied kinesiology, right? Kinesthesiology? Whatever. You guys know what I mean. Having blood as a predominant humor and consequently being ruddy-faced cheerful. Cool. So those are good and bad reviews. If you remember them now that we had to take this tangent on definitions. <laughs> now we're going to play the Rotten Tomatoes game. <laughs> this is where I make you guys guess the score of Rotten Tomatoes. If you're not familiar with the scoring system, it's an average score from 0 to 100 amongst the critics and the audience. 0 to 59 is rotten. 60 to 84 is fresh. 85 and up is certified fresh. So based on those reviews from the top critics, what do you think the top critics rated this movie? Do you want to go first or me, Maestro? Uh, honestly, I will go first because I am predominantly going to lower the score anyways. 
So I'm going to go with an even 40. 40. 40. Oh, well, that's still high. I was debating between 19 or 34. I don't know. Those two numbers just seemed right to me. So I guess I'll go with 34. 19 and 34. Those just, they felt right. Got to go with my gut. Okay. It's worked in the past. That's a, that's a healthy distance there. Uh, the tomato meter has this as rotten right between 19 and 34. <laughs> You're kidding me. It's 25. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have taken the average. <laughs> I told you those numbers felt right. <laughs> you would have been just, much closer. All right. You still, you still got it. This is all just gut, man. You still got it. All right. <laughs> Tomato meter. Oh, no, the audience. We're doing the audience now. Now, the audience, these are kind of long reviews, but uh, it's fine. Good reviews from Tim A. 2020. Absolute beauty of a film. I loved every moment of it. I guess it's not for everyone, and plenty of people hate it and think it's silly, but I'm of the opinion that it's a true masterpiece, and it's one of those that resonates very deeply with me. It has very unique directorial spin, Everything has an almost dreamlike pace that suits this film's incredibly well. The dialogue is so genuine, yet very memorable. Every scene has a meaning and a purpose. But the last thing I want to mention is that the ephemeral character of the movie, the synergistic effort of the environment, the actors, the story, and the music, which all culminate in the final scenes, is like a grand concerto that revels in its beauty. It's touching. And melancholic. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Melancholy, but... Okay. Uh, it stirs up thought and a multitude of emotions. Truly a great film. Wow. High praise. Uh, Matthew M. from 2007. A movie that has good visual effects, but weak story. I remember seeing some of it when I was a kid and just wanted to see it all the way through. It is slow, and overdramatic at some points. The acting I felt was decent, but the main problem is the pacing of the movie and the anticlimactic ending. Overall, you want to see something exciting and entertaining. The only way I can see this being something that you would like is if you're able to enjoy its un-Hollywood-esque ending. I don't know. I can see something like it. That's all I'm trying to say. That was a four-star rating. Okay. I've got my number. <laughs> Bad reviews. Anthony F., 2020. How can a space action thriller movie have such long stretches of such abject, boring tedium? In what alternative universe was this film made in which NASA has such an unlimited budget and spacecraft more spacious than the Empire State Building? The tugs on the emotional heartstrings are poorly constructed and, and executed. The mission commander's thick accent is just grating on the eardrums. A movie that is certainly more concerned about the quality of the special effects and less concerned about the quality of the script or the acting. Terrible choice of cast. Sounds like you guys. Jesus. I was going to say, Maestro, did you, did you write a review under a f- fake account in 2007? <laughs> oh, I don't write. Are you sure you hadn't seen this movie before? <laughs> oh, I've seen this movie before, all right. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. All right. All right, all right. All right, Dan S. from 2007. A disappointing 2001 wannabe concerning a group of astronauts 
who venture to Mars to rescue the lone survival of the first manned mission, but discover there may be more to the planet than meets the eye. What could have been nice, what could have been a nice little sci-fi physiological exercise, such as the recent Prometheus, is instead a bloated, bad melodrama which takes too long to get to the destination. Granted, De Palma's creation of Mars is certainly impressive, and there is potential that this could turn into something great that makes you want to keep watching. Alas, that never happens. With an ending that feels like such a hack job, <laughs> it will be sure to piss off many viewers and its conclusion. At its conclusion. All right. Jesus. Those are the, those are the uh, good and bad reviews from the audience. So based on those, what do you think the audience rated this movie? You want me to go first this time since you went first last time? Hmm. I could do so. Yeah. Let's see here. Since it was 25 before, I shall go for an even 40 like this time. What do you got, Annie? My guess said 29 or 31, but I like 29, so I'm going to go with that. I feel like the audience is usually a little higher than the the pros, and the pros said 25, right? So Yeah, you said 29 to 31. Those were the two numbers that just like felt right. So I'm going with 29, though, because I like the number 29. All right. Okay. Uh, the audience has this as rotten at 30. <laughs> right between 29 and 31. Oh. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> uh, Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were not in this film. We like to play a game where we put Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman in movies because generally they make them better. So, to improve this movie, who would you put in? In what character? We'll start with you, Michelle. Annie, get yourself together. <laughs> Very good, sir. I shall put Giamatti in as... You know what? I would like to put um, Oldman in as Lieutenant Dan. Oh, okay. You're taking him out. All right. Yep, yep, yep. Lieutenant Dan, I, I, he just stared there, stood there most of the time uh, and stared. It was kind of creepy. Uh, <laughs> then I would have probably... Hmm, there wasn't that many characters in this film to put in oh I'll tell you what I'll take Giovanni's character and make him the captain of that one ship that almost denied them access to go for the rescue mission okay I've got my answers okay go ahead what's the other guy's name Uh, not Paul Giamatti the other guy Gary Oldman Gary Oldman All right. I'm gonna put Gary Oldman in as the director and Paul Giamatti in as the person that is responsible for casting the entire staff of people that are in the movie oh, so you're catching them as behind the scenes people yeah because they would get way better people to do way better acting and way better directing and then the whole movie could be good wow i think that's the first where we're catching them behind the scenes dude paul giamatti i just feel like would be badass at casting just cutthroat but also really funny so you don't leave like crying but also like shit i got some stuff to work on and he'd get good actors in there that could actually do the movie justice and then the director would be better because 
I mean, I don't know if either of them have ever directed, but I feel like either one could do a better job than what happened in this movie. All and right. then the whole thing could be amazing. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put Gary Oldman as the uh, the, the captain, the, the, the commander that's on home base the, uh, that was basically telling him to go out there. It wasn't a very big role, but I think it could use the most improvement. Uh, Paul Giamatti is going to be Don Cheadle. I'm taking Cheadle out. I love Cheadle, but in this movie, he didn't do much. He wasn't the Don Cheadle that I know. Right. So putting Giamatti in there... Uh, to have even the scene with the sun, I think could have been fine. And then when he was crazed, Giamatti would have been great as crazed, <laughs> and it would have come across, I think, more as crazed than just weird. And Giamatti probably would have stepped in and been like, "Hey, I don't think I'm so crazed that I'm going to attack my friend with a hammer. I think I'm going to be more crazed and psycho in the corner and like creeping around or something, something better than what happened." There would have been yelling to show I'm crazed yeah. instead of just I'm about to kill you. And uh... and then you see the reflection in the water. Are you kidding yeah. me? All right. How do you not sense someone that's right there behind you? A lack of gravity, Annie. Gravity is very important in this movie. Okay. <laughs> say, apparently, Adam, there was plenty of gravity and wind in that greenhouse. Right. All right. Let's do trivia. This is a part of the show where I give you guys little bits of facts or information you may not know about the movie. The filmmakers created the Martian landscape in a massive sandpit near Vancouver. It was one of the biggest sets ever constructed for a movie. Around 2 million square feet. Wow. It's a lot of space. Uh, many of the props from this movie, including the big turning wheel sets and the spacecraft model, are now on display in the Line Q area of the Mission Space Ride in the Epcot Center in Disneyland, Disney World in Florida. Oh, okay. Uh, each one of the spacesuits costs around $100,000 to make. But a real NASA spacesuit costs between ten to twelve million dollars. Uh, see, all the ships were based on actual NASA aircrafts and used materials from the real aerospace companies. Hmm. How much did that run them? Seventy-three gazillion dollars. Oh wait, that's made up. Uh, <laughs> all the ships were based on actual. I said that one. Don Cheadle <laughs> actually slept outside by himself. To get a sense of the environments and isolation. So before he went crazed, he actually kind of crazed himself. Wait, so he slept outside? Like, went camping? No, he went to Mars. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> camping, yep. I can see how that's Mars. All right. The crew used over 14,000 gallons of paint to spray the soil Mars red. Also, the crew used a real 2,000-pound rock to drop behind the astronauts. So in when? that scene, when, uh, when the tornado's happening and they're standing there and they're just filming, like, oh, that's weird. And then the giant rock falls. That was a real rock that fell. Oh, good. I mean, that was, yeah. that was pivotal for we, me. That was something where I was like, damn, that looked real. I remember thinking, this whole storm seems fake. Oh, wait. Now it's real. Now it's real. <laughs> <laughs> Money makes the world go round. Want to put this film in perspective of other films that were released this year so we get a feel financially how it held up to its peers. The budget for this film, $100 million. What do you think this grossed in the U.S. and the, and the foreign box office combined for the total worldwide gross? Can you remind me this again? This movie... Oh, sorry. This movie cost $100 million to $100 make? $100 million, yes. 
Can you remind me what it is that for a movie to be considered successful, what's the... Three times. Three times. Three times, fool. Can't you go first? Three, huh? Three. I shall say 500,000. 500,000. Wow. Right. Cost- That's a huge loss. 100 million to make. 500,000 is what... Less than a million. I feel like say. this is a movie where they probably could have done a really good trailer for it that got enough people to want to see it. And then enough people told their friends like it was horrible that they wanted to go see it. So I'm going to say 70 million. Still wasn't profitable, but... Okay. In the U.S., this grows $60.9 million. Well, I'm out of the running. You're way out. Uh, hey, I got real close for the U.S. one. Yeah, and the foreign box office was $50.1 million, bringing the total worldwide gross to $111 million. This film debuted on March 10, 2000, with $22.9 million in the U.S. So it made a third of its money on opening weekend. And I, I, I think what you said is true. People went to go see it. were like, oh, I've got to see this. And then told everybody else, no. Yeah. So don't go see this. <laughs> yeah. But then at that point, there's enough people that are like, I can't be that bad. Right. And like, I'd be that person like, it can't be that. And I'm, now I want to see it just to see if it's that bad. This was the 33rd highest grossing film of 2019. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Of the year 2000. Number oh. one that year. You're never going to guess this. Uh, it. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I was that was my first thought. I was about to guess that. Oh no, sorry, took it away from you. Oops. You may have noticed at a time or two we made mistakes on the podcast. Most likely me more than anybody else. So to make myself feel better, I'm going to give you little times that the movie also made mistakes because nobody's nerfic. Do we have that much time to go over all this? <laughs> uh, when on the planet of Mars, we continually hear sounds. There is only an insignificant atmosphere, so we wouldn't hear anything except for the radio in their helmet. This is what Mesha was saying earlier. Sounds do not exist in space. This is one of the things that Firefly did correctly in the show. Every time you see a spaceship flying through space, no sounds. I get it. You want me to watch Firefly? Uh, yes, that is what I'm getting at. The dust storm shown on Mars would not have been dangerous to the mission and would not have required the action... Uh, the action blown would require all the action that the astronauts had to go through. The air pressure on Mars is a mere six millibars compared to Earth's 1,013 millibars. So the quote-unquote fierce dust storm would have had the impact of a feather on the people and on the spacecraft. Wait, but so then the guy wouldn't have gotten sucked up, so they got that part right? The guy running away? Uh... uh a rock to the face would have bounced off, probably. Mm. Okay. While looking at a DNA sequence, Terry Fisher says that's the last two chromosomes are missing. What is missing is actually the last two nucleotides of the sequence. DNA does not have chromosomes. Rather, chromosomes are comprised of DNA, and a single chromosome will contain many tens of hundreds of millions of nucleotides. I feel like there's a mm-hmm. lot of science facts in here that they should have just been like, hey, mm-hmm. scientists, can we pay you like a grand to just double check our facts in here? And could have cut. Here's the final oops, my favorite oops. Mars only has 38% of the gravity of Earth. 
Yet it is clear from everyone's movements and walking that the gravity is identical or very close to Earth's gravity. Vindication. <laughs> Except for the guy that's running away. Wait, what's, can you Google what's the gravity on the moon? Uh, I can, and I will after the show. Oh. Uh, that was Mission to Mars from 2000, <laughs> directed by Brian De Palma. Check out our website, ratpackpodcast.com slash spoilers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Spoiler Show. Check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rat Pack Productions. Write to us via email, spoilers at ratpack.productions for any questions, opinions, or movie requests. Please rate and view the show on Apple Podcasts, so help us in the rankings. If you leave us a review and a recommendation, that movie will go to the top of our list and watch it before any other request. Next week, we have not decided the movie yet. So just watch any movie. Do I get some? Can I, can I suggest a movie? Yes, you can. Right after the podcast. I, like, I don't want to do it now. I want to think about it, but I want to. Uh, I feel like I can come with some good. All right. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Thanks for watching Mission to Mars with us. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any opinions or anything, yeah, like I said, send us an email. So until next time, I am Adam. I'm Maestro. And I'm Annie. What? No, Annie. What? What?